Welcome to Diverse, the podcast for the Society of Women Engineers. SWE supports the advancement of women in engineering and technology. You can find all of our podcasts on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and SWE's blog all together at altogether.swe.org. Are you taking full advantage of your SWE membership? Your membership grants you access to SWE Advanced Learning for career and life. Your membership unlocks free and discounted on-demand content 24 hours a day from around the world. The SWE Advanced Learning also has live learning. With multiple tracks, Advance offers something for every career and every stage of your career. SWE's many offerings feature subject matter experts from a wide variety of thought leaders in STEM and leadership. When you want to skill up, turn to Advance first. Access learning at advancelearning.swe.org. Hello, I'm Lou Ver Walker-Hannon, a co-lead of the African-American Affinity Group for the Society of Women Engineers. Welcome to SWE's podcast, Diverse. This episode is a part of the ongoing series SWE's African-American Affinity Group is hosting on Diverse for Black History Month. You can find more information about this and other content for Black History Month on SWE's blog, All Together. Welcome to SWE's Diverse Podcast Series. Please remember to add this podcast to your iTunes and like or follow us on social media. Visit SWE.org for more details. I'm joined today by Deborah L. Coleman, my co-lead of the SWE African-American Affinity Group. She's also the Collegiate Engagement Lead for FY22. Deborah is a real-time embedded software engineer at the Boeing Company in Seattle. She ensures that safety-critical software is correct and certifiable on commercial aircrafts. She received a Bachelor's of Science in Electrical Engineering from Boston University and two master's degrees, one from the University of Washington in Electrical Engineering and one from Boston University in Computer Information Systems. Thanks for joining us today, Deborah. I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Thank you. And I'd like to start out with learning about some of your, your journey. So what initially sparked your interest in engineering? I was in a program called MESA, Math Engineering Science Achievement, in my hometown of Sacramento, California, starting in junior high school. I joined it because I knew it was a pathway to college. It was a program where you had to have certain classes you had to achieve a certain GPA. We had speakers that would come and talk about science, about engineering, about math. We went on field trips to different companies such as PG&E and Pacific Bell at that time. We would take trips to the Exploratorium Museum in San Francisco. And we also had contests. One in particular was an oil derrick contest where we had to build an oil derrick out of toothpicks and glue. And I would say actually doing the hands-on projects, that is what really sparked my interest in engineering because I was able to actually see and do something. Mesa, we also had college prep for SAT and PSAT. So I think what really sparked my interest was when I actually started going on college visits we took trips to USC, UCLA, Cal Poly, 
San Luis Obispo, and then doing the oil derrick contest, that's what really sparked my interest in engineering. However, I still wasn't decided that I would go into engineering until my college counselor from for high school, his name was James Harold. He also ran the Mesa program. So I'd known him since eighth grade. He said that he would not sign my college application unless I went into engineering. And he said that just try it your freshman year. And if you don't like it, you have my blessings to go into whatever field you want to. And he said the reason for that is it's much more difficult if you start out in something else and try and switch into engineering as opposed to starting in engineering, seeing if you like it, if you don't, then trying something else. So that's really, Mesa is really what did it for me as far as engineering. And then once I got to Boston University, I was really hooked, getting engaged with different groups such as NSBE and MES, the Minority Engineering Society, as well as Dr. Louis Padula, was, who was the dean at the time, and Professor Jeffrey Forbes, who was one of my advisors. That really sealed the deal. Thank you very much, Deborah, for sharing that information. And based on what you highlighted, which sounds like an incredible journey, it seems as if there's a theme related to community, whether it's community related to, you know, people that were involved with the Mesa program or other societies. And, and this leads me to another question. I wonder, especially for you, what does the phrase building community mean to you? Building community for me goes back to my roots, especially as my family, we were transplants to Sacramento from Mobile, Alabama. And there were there was a large number of folks, part of the great migration that went to Sacramento. So my father worked for the U.S. government at Brooklyn Air Force Base in Mobile, Alabama, and the base was closing. Jobs were going away and he had an opportunity to go to different states and my family selected to go to Sacramento. And there was a large contingent of folks from Mobile. So that was my first real exposure to community because you have a group of people that have left the area that's home. And so they're creating home in a different place. So it was a tight group of folks that had come to Sacramento from both Mobile as well as different places in Louisiana. So there's lots of folks in Sacramento that are from Louisiana and also from Alabama. And so that was my first really understanding what community is and also church, the same with church. Those were my beginnings of community. We didn't have any family in Sacramento. So that was our family, our extended family, church, and also the folks that had left the South. I see. And that's helpful and, and very powerful because I think for probably a lot of listeners, their first concept of community does come based on where they are, you know, geographically located and who they are around. So I'm sure your example will resonate with a number of people. And I also think of community related to our chosen communities. So chosen communities, meaning maybe different groups of colleagues and or organizations. 
that we may join. And I have a biased opinion, maybe, but I definitely think our affinity group is a community. And in terms of this idea of building a community, and we'll get back to this theme a little bit later, I'm just curious about, you know, the following in terms of community interaction. So here's my question. How do your current roles as an AG co-lead and collegiate development lead for FY22, as well as being a Black woman, provide a unique perspective when interacting with your community? I think I have the perspective of where I've come from and where I am now and what it takes to get there. As you know, as a Black woman in engineering, you're not surrounded by a lot of folks that look like you. It takes a lot of perseverance, tenacity, and grit, as well as being open and receptive to others and having a lot of grace to be able to succeed in the field of engineering. A lot of that is regardless of race. It's a very tough discipline. When you're one of the only in the room, in the building, in the factory, it takes more You have to pull on that inner reserve. And I believe that a lot of that comes from your background, from what you have, from people cheering you on, your community cheering you on, your community telling that you that you could do it. If it's difficult for other people, it's difficult for you. I remember my mom would always say, wrap up is cold in Boston. And if they could do it, you could do it too. So I think that you have to reach back and also you when you see someone when you see that black person in the hall you haven't seen before you reach out to them you give them a wave you give them a head nod to let them know that i see you and i'm here for you and so i believe being part of the african american affinity group that's what it is it's i'm here for you i see you and i know and i understand what you're going through if you need to talk if you need help, if you're looking for a job, if you need encouragement, if we want to push and advance each other forward, that's the community. And thank you for sharing that, Deborah, because I think that is powerful. And so many listeners, I know I can relate to a lot of the items that you highlighted and connecting what you said with pointing out, yes, this is related to the African-American affinity group could be related to maybe other affinity groups. It makes me think of the topic of being a mentor because one of the items that you highlighted that really resonated with me is to have a connection related to a shared experience, maybe being one of the few, maybe the only in different venues, whether it's a factory, whether it's a classroom or otherwise. And I wonder In terms of this connection with community, how important is mentorship related to being a part of your community? Mentorship is absolutely crucial. It's sort of like the 10X. It could take you a long time to get somewhere if you're doing things on your own, because there's going to be success is not a straight path. There's going to be starts and stops. You're going to wind and bend and curve with everything that's going to happen to you, both professionally and personally. Having a mentor 
that has been there, that has done that, they could give you insight. They can give you guidance. They could provide direction. And of course, we all know about sponsorship, which is vitally important as well. Folks who can actually open doors and make things happen and speak your name in different rooms. Mentorship is absolutely crucial. And it takes a while. It takes a while for the person, especially we know there's introverts and there's extroverts. So sometimes when you are the only one, you may have the notion that you need to just put your head down, know what you're doing and work hard. And indeed, you do need to do that. But you also, as they say, have to look up. And not only do you have to see other folks, but they have to see you. You really have to become engaged and be fully in the room, fully participate with others. And sometimes you may be shy, right? You're just the only one there. Or even if you are shy, a mentor can help you navigate office politics. They can help you navigate opportunities. They can tell you about opportunities. They can introduce you to people. So they already have a network and they could bring you into their network and also show you how to build and develop your own network. They say that your network is your net worth. And that's not strictly in financial terms, but your net worth is your whole person, all of your experiences, be it recreation, be it professional, be it spiritual. Mentorship is absolutely crucial. And this is interesting on a variety of levels because not only have I experienced the benefits of mentorship, but you also highlighted the term sponsorship that I wanted to return to for a minute, especially within the context of building community, because what you highlighted in terms of network Some people may use the terms network and community interchangeably. And I'm wondering if we're thinking about building up our network or our community, in terms of building up our community, it sounds like mentorship is one of those components. And it sounds like sponsorship is another component. But in addition to sponsorship, are there possibly other items that you think are vital related to building? community? I think that there are elements of spirituality. I think there's elements of health, including emotional, mental, and physical health. I think it's taking a holistic approach. What is community? It's a group of people. A group of people have needs that need to be met. And what can I do? So my father had a favorite poem. It's called A Builder or a Wrecker. And it says, as I watched them tear a building down, a gang of men in a busy town with a whole heave hole and a lusty yell, they swung a beam and the sidewall fell. I asked the foreman, are these men skilled? And the men you'd hire if you wanted to build. He gave a laugh and said, no, indeed, just common labor is all I need. I can easily wreck in a day or two what builders have taken years to do. And I thought to myself as I went my way, which of these roles have I tried to play? Am I a builder who works with care, measuring life by rule and square? Am I shaping my work to a well-made plan, 
patiently doing the best I can, or am I a wrecker who walks to town, content with the labor of tearing down? Oh, Lord, let my life and my labors be that which build for eternity. And he always quoted that poem, and he would say, are you going to be a builder or a wrecker? And that's what community is. It's being a builder. And it takes so many things to build. But more than that, it takes workers. And everyone has to get in and everyone has to work. Whatever your part is, it's important. You might be a sponsor. You might be a mentor. You just may be someone that calls and says, hey, how you doing? You might be someone that sends a letter, writes a card, but a community is a group of people that are trying to build each other up. And so we are, you know, you've heard the saying, we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us. And we have to be the shoulders for the people that are going to come behind us. And that's what community is. That is one of the most beautiful poems I have heard. I've never heard that poem, Deborah. So thank you, first of all, for expanding my knowledge and reciting the poem. The other item, too, is absolutely we must think about the various roles that each of us play in our community and also highlight that we're not on you know whatever journey we may be on alone and i hope that thinking about community for whether it's you i or any of the listeners that they hopefully take that to heart because i think one of the trends and patterns that may have been prominent over the past few years thinking about the concept of community is there are a lot of times where various communities have become siloed and they haven't necessarily maybe had the opportunity to communicate with other communities. And I just wonder about the following in terms of engaging with a community is the following, you know, does being an engineer impact how you decided to engage with your community? Yes. And I think how? Yes, most definitely. In the news last year with the passing of Robert Moses, he talked about math being the gateway to opportunity. It was the new civil rights for the 20th century at the time, now the 21st century. I think our role being technical, being engineering and building our community is absolutely crucial. When you look at economics, when you look at where the jobs are today, when you look at where the future of the world is going, we are a global world, right? And we are well into the fourth industrial revolution. And we have a responsibility to reach back to our community and make sure they know math, they know science, they know reading, they understand what the jobs and opportunities are that are available and where jobs are going, where the economy is going. It's absolutely crucial to use that, what we know as engineers and help build and lift up our community. We know that when Dr. King was killed, that was what he was working on, the Poor People's Campaign of Economics, 
you know, once you pass civil rights legislation and people and segregation is ended, you have the opportunity for education anywhere in the country. It's economics. And one of his last words was build, baby, build, organize, baby, organize. And that is absolutely crucial for our community. And you highlighted a few topics that are not only of interest to me, but have been some topics that have driven me with my own community outreach. And there's a big connection for me related to the economic discussion that you just highlighted, where I see the ability to advocate with in our community through STEM outreach being front and center, in addition to so many other topics, where that advocacy to highlight for, you know, and it's really not even just the youth, but so many individuals to explore going into, you know, STEM at large and particularly, you know, engineering where you can acquire certain skills that are going to help you throughout life, regardless of your career. And I think that one of the major themes for me that I'm hoping that individuals can acquire are analytical thinking skills, which I think can help with a variety of items. So I wanted to ask you this question. In addition to everything that you've highlighted, do you feel based on your role as an engineer and this impact in terms of how you decided to engage with the community? Do you think your focus has been on trying to have various individuals acquire certain skills to help them to be able to be involved in the economy where they can have roles where they can, you know, eventually be able to have a, hopefully a chance in terms of economic stability? Yes. As you may or may not know, I started a program in 2010, Kids in Science and Engineering, KAIS. Originally, it was Girls in Science and Engineering. It was an after-school program, and there were many different components to it. As you learn more working with kids, as well as what you remember, we would discuss an engineering topic. They'd have a hands-on activities to reinforce what they learned. That's really crucial to not just have you know, someone come and lecture or just reading, but to actually be able to put it into practice. They'd have snacks, of course, right? I'm a big snack person. (laughs) That's important. That helps the brain function and grasp concepts. So I'm with you there. I hear you. Parental involvement. That was a requirement. And one thing, when I was at Intel, I worked with a person. She's actually a sweet president in Detroit, Nikita. And When she was learning English in India, she said it was a requirement that her father, a parent, mother or father, that they also learned English at the time. And she said the reason for it was so that it would be reinforced. So often, if it's not in the home, what kids see, that's what they realize or think is important to their parents. And so there has to be a reinforcement. What you learn at school is reinforced in the home. When you're assigned homework in school, the parent 
needs to make sure that the student is doing the homework in the home, regardless if they understand it or not. They have to make sure that they're there doing their homework if they have problems. And so it's to show encouragement. Parents are absolutely critical and crucial in the role of education for children. So it was a requirement that parents were involved. We had science fairs, we had reading clubs, we had math contests. So it continued to expand because we know that all of those things are critical in engineering. So we hear STEM and we also hear STEAM. Engineering teaches so many different critical skills. The world of engineering encompasses everything from A to Z. You could be working on airplanes, such as myself at Boeing. You could be at MathWorks, such as you, but we intertwine, right? We use MATLAB. We use Simulink to do control systems for aerospace. So it's a whole big interconnected world that is absolutely beautiful. I feel it's just endless, the possibilities that you could do with engineering. And so because of that, you need to expose children to critical thinking, to expand their mind to all sorts of opportunity. And the biggest thing is possibility, but you have to give them them those skills, right? Yes. The scientific method. You have to make sure that they can add and subtract. And the reasons for a lot of this is there's gatekeeping. If you can do addition and subtraction, you won't be able to do multiplication. You won't be able to do division. You won't be able to do fractions. You won't be able to get into algebra, geometry, calculus. And so those are gateways. So this is why it's critical to start at a very young age, not just math drills, but really showing that math is art. Math is beautiful. And showing that excitement to students and letting them know you're not just doing A plus B equals C, one plus one equals two, but what does that mean and how can you use it? And of course, you know, technology continues to expand and it's critical for them to know programming skills as well. Not programming just for the sake of programming, but what you can do with programming. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many things that you just highlighted. I would say I agree with or plus one, meaning I agree with it. And one of the themes that stood out for me is related to you are able to do so much when you build up particular skills, especially skills that are connected to the scientific method that are skills related to having a connection with the engineering discipline. Another theme too that stood out for me is despite us being in on the surface, what seems like two different roles, we have engineering backgrounds where we've acquired certain skills, but we have the ability to not only communicate with each other to learn from each other's roles, but possibly understand how we can take, let's say, tasks from each other's roles and understand maybe at a very high level how to implement them. And I think it goes to your point saying how engineering skills provide such a large amount of assistance when individuals are trying to do a variety of activities. So that was great. I just wanted to say that was outstanding, what you just highlighted. And based on what you have highlighted continuously throughout a lot of our 
discussion is there's a question that comes up for me because I'm curious about seeking your advice. What advice do you have for others who want to use engineering and or STEM as a pathway to working in their community? This is a topic I feel strongly about, but I'm curious to hear from you. I think that you have to, one, realize you know more than you know, and you have more to offer than you realize. A lot of times we go about our job day to day and you think, you know, this isn't that difficult or if I could do it, anyone can do it and they can. But what it comes to when I mentioned earlier about that grit and perseverance, you can do it because you stuck with it. Not everyone can just go to an airplane and fly an aircraft. Not everyone can just go and write a controls program. Not everyone can go and figure out a thermodynamics equation, but you could do it because you started with that addition. You went on to subtraction and multiplication. You took your physics, you took your biology, you took your chemistry, you took your calculus classes and your physics classes. Every one of those classes are extremely difficult. You have some people that may have a natural ability or affinity to certain things, but what it really is, is practice, not giving up and sticking with it. And then you actually start to begin to learn the applications of what you have used. Then you can start designing more elegant solutions. Then you can start creating things. Then you can understand if I have a drone, what can I use it for? So you can not just say, oh, this is drone. It's cool. I could fly it or I could use it to take pictures. But you start more from the perspective of this is unmanned flight. And what can I use it for? Perhaps I'm going to use it where a pilot doesn't want to go, where a pilot cannot go, or where it may be boring or tedious for a pilot to go. So you start to use a bigger picture of what applications can I use things for? How can I make it better and how can I improve it? So engineering really is what can I do from a technical standpoint to improve the condition of man? So it really is, it's not just technical. It's not just far off science. That's not, it's completely attached to the human condition. If you look at so many things that brilliant engineers and scientists have created, And that's why I love reading and reading biographies and really learning about scientists. Alexander Graham Bell has a wonderful story about how he wanted his wife, who was deaf, to not be able to be able to hear and how that played into his passion for so many of the inventions that he did. So it's really critical for us who are engineers to not just reach back and say, you need to know math, you need to know science because you can get a good job. That's not the path at all. It's true, but that's not the motivation, right? Tell stories about math. Tell about the origins of math and how it applies to them. Simple things like balancing a checkbook. Do you want to retire? What do you need to do in order to be able to retire? About your savings. Recipes. Cooking is such a wonderful example of engineering. That is pure science. You could teach your children math while they're cooking. Do you have to, a recipe, put it in half? Do you have to double a recipe? 
So there's so many applications every day for math and science. It's all around us. And we just need to maybe show folks, you know, show them that these are possibilities. This is what you can do. It's fun. It's exciting. And I absolutely love it. It's a responsibility that we have. And I'm confident we can meet the challenge. And so many other people have gone before us and have done it. And it's our turn now. Beautifully stated. And with that, Deborah, thank you again for taking the time to speak with us today. You have provided so much information and inspiration for me, where I plan to take a lot of what you said and pause and reflect to see what am I doing in regards to, you know, connecting my engineering background with my interaction with my community. So I just wanted to say thank you again, Deborah. This was helpful information, excellent information for so many. And I'm one of people I'm highlighting. Thank you. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you, Lou, for everything you do for being the lead of the African-American Affinity Group. And thanks to SWE for everything that SWE does and to our entire community, onward and upward. I'm Lou Vera Walker Hannon. For all of us at SWE, thanks for listening. Don't forget to check out more Black History Month content on our blog at altogether.swe.org and listen to our other African-American Affinity Group podcast. Celebrate Black History Month, not just this month, but every day. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to leave us a review and share this episode with your social network. Thanks for listening.